0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond Busy, the show where we talk productivity, work-life balance and defining happiness and success. My name is Graeme Alcott, I'm your host for the show and on this episode I'm talking to Jan Touton. Jan is the president of the French Chamber of Commerce in the Netherlands and also the CEO of a tech company called Econocom. So before we get into the episode, just a quick reminder that my masterclass uh, is happening on Friday, the 28th of June. So if you want to come and hear all about how to be a productivity ninja, if you want to spend some time with me actually whipping all of your productivity uh, techniques and tools and systems into shape over the course of a day, it's Friday, the 28th of June. It's at the Business Design Centre in London in Angel. Um, So if you want to go to Eventbrite and type in my name, you'll find tickets there. And we'll also put links in the show notes here at getbeyondbusy.com. So we'd love to see you on the 28th of June. Let's get into this episode, though. So this is Jan Tutong. Jan is a CEO. He's a busy guy. He's also someone who is very uh, familiar with all of the challenges of remote working and how to bring remote working to a team of 200 people that he manages. So he talks a lot about remote working. We talk a lot about that in this episode. We also talk about the whole idea of using your money to buy experiences rather rather than possessions. We talk about work-life balance and some really good productivity stuff at the end, um, which I think you'll really enjoy around how to use your diary to help your team to kind of know what energy levels you have and how to manage all of that. So really interesting episode, uh, really found myself on Jan's wavelength. It was really cool. And we did this down the line and uh, Jan's in Amsterdam. I'm in Brighton. So let's get into it. This is my conversation with Jan Toutant. I'm here with Jan Toutant. Um, I am in Brighton in the UK. And where in the world are you, Jan?
1: I have the pleasure to be in the lovely Amsterdam in Holland.
0: So you're in Amsterdam. So we're so we're kind of on the same time zone, rough, roughly speaking, which is a yes, we good start, are. Yeah. I
1: think, yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, and so let's start with the let's start with your day job and the, and the things that you do. So you're CEO of a company called Econocom in the Netherlands. That's Correct. Yes, and you're also president of the French Chamber of Commerce in the Netherlands as well. So. Let's just start with the CEO role. So um, leading around 300 people, is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right, Graham.
0: Yeah. And what does a typical day look like
1: for you? Um, a day uh, we start... Um, before my work, I like to take time for myself. So a day we start with uh, some time for workouts, like a half an hour of workout, And I used to take 15 minutes for meditation and uh, calming down the the mind <laughs> and then uh, I have a quick uh, smoothie and I jump in my car and uh, because I have uh, about um, 40 minutes of uh, commuting to my office yeah. and uh, this trip in my car is already uh, uh, the start of the working day uh, I have a pleasure to have a self-driving car so it gives me a lot of um, time to uh, already uh, manage my whatsapp so most of the time driving you have to a offices. self-driving car Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh wow! We're going to have to geek out about that in a minute. <laughs> but carry on.
1: Yes. So basically, I dedicate my traveling time to um, to update my uh, WhatsApp, the 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 feed of my WhatsApp, and then uh, already giving a few. Uh, um, you know, I like to send good messages in the morning uh, to friends and colleagues. You know, uh, if you take the time to send uh, three, four uh, nice messages to people, then during the day you get them back, and it's a uh, It's a way of getting good energy back uh, during the day. Great. Um, And then I will be um, uh, at my office. uh, And I really love the office space we have because we share a co-working space. So it's um, it's a co-working space in which we have our private uh, space, square meters. So I call it a hybrid uh, co-working space. Cool. And um, there my day will be mainly dedicated to uh, -to one-to-ones with um, my direct reports about... Um, the existing business model, so running the existing business model, and also developing new ones. So it's about uh, delivering the, the, um, the, the, I would say, the, the business on existing uh, customers, and also working on new solutions. That's what I love to do, and that's what I yeah. do every day. And this is about an, a day at the office, but of course I'm not every day at the office, and I, I'm about two days a week at the office, and the rest of the time is uh, mainly being at uh, customers, partners. Uh, events Uh, so it's very I I never have two days uh, that are the same uh, next to each other
0: yeah it's always a difficult question for anyone what's a typical day look like because it's always a typical day (laughs) is always like an amalgamation of lots of things that happen on different days I guess so um,
1: yes it is is. Um,
0: but tell me more about a couple of things there I want to pick up on so firstly the whatsapp messages thing so so you mentioned friends and family as well as work colleagues there are you particularly trying to reach out to people that you've not spoken to for a long time? Are you, is it mainly with a closer-knit group of friends? Like, how do you how do you choose who you're going to reach out to and say positive things about? And maybe give a couple of examples of the kind of messages that you might be sending there.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I tend to mix um, colleagues who have a, a specific um, achievement during the day or who have a challenging meeting uh, you know we, have, we will have to have impact during the day. Uh, I, I send them a, you know, some supporting message like uh, be good, uh, I trust that you will be uh, beyond your expectations and uh, um, I'm waiting for, uh, to hear from you how you've been performing this specific uh, uh, thing you have to do. Um, so it's, a, it's more supporting message, but to, to show that I'm here, I'm here to, for yeah. them um when it's about family and uh, friends um most of the time i um uh, choose uh, friends that i didn't talk for a long time and just send that uh, i uh, remind a certain memory we had together uh, and i'm looking forward to uh, you know to to, to have again uh, to share some moments together and uh, just uh, you know saying also some um, things that what i like with them you know what i really like in you is uh, when you are uh, uh, making those uh, stupid jokes about that, uh, and I really miss it. You know? <laughs> those things. You know, just just little things that you, you you have inside of you. You think about friends, and you think, oh, I really love this this behavior or my friend. But just just say it. Let's write it down.
0: I I love that because it. I've been thinking about this a lot over the last few days. I went to a fortieth birthday over the weekend, and okay, I well, caught up. I caught up with a couple of friends around the campfire. Uh, in a beautiful part of Dorset, uh, just on the South coast of England. And, um, I was catching up with a couple of people who I'd not seen for maybe 15 years, 10 or 15 Oof, years. And wow. it was like, we literally just slotted back into the place as if no time had happened and just, yes. just carried on the conversation. And it really got me thinking about how many other people there are like that in all of our lives who we just, we just kind of slowly fall out of touch with, and then it becomes it becomes too awkward and too long a period of time to <laughs> almost to, to send that message. So yeah. it's one of those things that we could all do more of, isn't it? Is to, is to just to just reach out and just say, hi, still thinking of you. It's been a long time. Life is busy, uh, but yet there are people out there that we have that connection with.
1: Yes. And uh, Graham, it's, it's, um, we tend to um, think that this connection can only be... Uh when we see each other but uh, thanks to the tools of today just a whatsapp message or a video i like to, sometimes to send a video also just a, you know a yeah. yeah. video and um, to keep uh, to give um yeah to, to share that uh, i'm thinking about them yep. and th- this is um something very important even if you're remote so if you're traveling a lot you will not be on the same location of a lot of your friends um not very often on the same location. So it's good to, to keep this alive also because then when you see each other, the, the connection is, is then still very strong.
0: Absolutely. Um. When you use WhatsApp, do you use WhatsApp voice a lot, sending voice memos? Do you do that?
1: I do. Yeah, I do video voice memos. I, I use also the dictating uh, part of uh, WhatsApp. So I'm, um, I detect and, and then it, it writes down what I'm saying.
0: Ah, uh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the voice memo thing, and I think it's, yeah, it's the great. most underused piece of technology. Like Is it? the amount of people, <laughs> who I, yeah, the amount of people I speak to who have either never used it or they very rarely use it, and the amount of people who say to me, "You're the only person who ever sends me a voice memo," but really, it just oh. feels like it's so much easier than typing, and also just if you feel the energy and emotion of somebody rather than just text which is very flat of course yeah so i I use that a lot with my md um you know we do a lot of our communication by sending whatsapp voice back and forth and i just think it's a really direct and yet very dynamic sort of form of communication i really love it um and the the other thing you mentioned was self-driving cars i can't let that pass without talking about it because that feels like something out of um a sci-fi movie to us in England. We, <laughs> it does we don't not ha- fly yet. It does yeah. not fly. <laughs> so we don't have it in England yet. But so, um, tell me about how long you've had that, and what what's been your experience of um, having a self-driving car?
1: Yeah, I have this car. Oh, it's a Tesla, and I have this car for um, about uh, about a year now. And when it comes to self-driving, it is mainly um, I'm, I'm mainly talking about being on a highway. Okay. Uh, I would I would not activate it on a on a on a, on a small road, um, but on a highway it's it's really efficient. So it's mm-hmm. uh, about um, keeping the distance with the, the the other cars around in front at the side at the back, and it's also about keeping a certain speed. But the speed is according to the speed of the traffic you're in. Yeah. And uh, of course you ask the car to. Um, stop at a maximum speed so for example 120 kilometers per hour is my max but if the traffic is at 80, then the car will synchronize and of course it will make curves and stay between the lines um when it's about highway it's quite easy because uh, a traffic on a highway is quite easy to manage for a computer yeah i, so I, guess I there really are just
0: trust, i just guess yeah. there are like fewer variables when when you're on a highway like you say it's about the distance ahead and the speed and corners and that feels really yeah. different to me. To you know, being in those when I picture, picture Amsterdam, I always picture those junctions and crossings where there are cyclists Oof. and there's motorbikes <laughs> and the, and it's all happening. <laughs> so I guess you would trust it a bit less in those kind of situations.
1: I would. I would not. No, I don't use it in the city. <laughs> I don't use it in the city, but on the highway, you know. And when I when I commute to uh, one of my office, one one is uh, one hour drive, and uh, the other one is forty minutes. Yeah. And when I commute to to the two of them, I, I have. Um, 80% of the time is a highway.
0: Mm. So you're getting a lot of that time back.
1: Yeah. 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 And I, I really trust the, the computer more than myself because uh, the computer will be ongoing paying attention to what happens. And even if I drive, you know, I might have a text or whatsoever, and I will lose attention for yeah. 10 seconds, 20 seconds. Uh, the computer will not. So
0: how long did it take you to develop that level of trust where you could actually be engaged in WhatsApp messages or something else while the computer's doing the driving?
1: Um, it was uh, as from day one. Really? Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. I would yeah, have thought from day,
0: from day one for me, I'd be trying to do a WhatsApp and I'd be looking at the dashboard in kind of panicked paranoia. Is this going to be okay? Right? Like, yeah. isn't there a, isn't there a, time period of getting used to that
1: well i trust in technology and i trust in the fact that the computer is only seeing uh, zeros and ones <laughs> and uh so um it's uh, it's it's you know i i'm sure this computer is uh, much better than me at driving and uh, reading what's happening around so um, <laughs> that's uh, as simple as this well i must say graham i must say the first sharp curve yeah I was not very confident. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) You see the car arriving in a curve and like, okay, is it going to make the curve or is it only for straight lines? Do I know that? (laughs) And uh, the curves are are perfect. They are beautiful curves. Cool. It's amazing.
0: Well, you've shown us the future. We're looking forward to uh, experiencing that in the UK as well. Um, Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about remote working, which is something I know you're a a big advocate of. Um, And so you're working couple of days a week from your main office but you kind of work all over the place and work in lots of different settings mm-hmm. so uh tell us first of all like why why are you so passionate about the idea of remote working and pro- promoting that to your staff and people that you work with
1: mm-hmm. do, do we have three hours in front of us Graham? <laughs> <laughs> i will uh, start with the, the the why um remote work is um a driver for innovation mm, okay That's my main um, starting point for remote work. I believe that remote work provides uh, the employees um, a lot of um, extra um, experiences to uh, be able to refresh their mind and uh, their mind when it comes to their work. Uh, Basically, I put remote work against. Uh, the routine of work. What I call the routine of work is first the commuting time uh, that you have to, um, to go through every day. Uh, and I was, again, last week, I was with some friends, I was in Paris last week, talking about their their daily uh, agenda. And they were telling me it starts by one hour of commuting in the a, in a, in a public transportation. Right. And I was asking them, what do you do during this hour? Uh, well, pff, Nothing. Uh, maybe I sleep in the evening (laughs) on the way back I take a nap and I read a bit of a newspaper or a book Uh, but it's like a punishment you know Mm. Um, and so I was talking to this friend and she has two hours a day of commuting we made a quick calculation in a month it's 40 hours it's a week of work in a month that she's spending commuting Um, and of course I know millions of people are commuting in the world Uh, but why? why do we have to commute if it's to uh, end up in an office space where you do things that you could do close to your home. Like, for example, managing your emails or uh, making a report or sure. uh, whatsoever. So anything that doesn't need collaborative work don't doesn't need to be done at the office. So then you can avoid the commuting time. And this commuting time is killing for, of course, for the time, but also I believe it's um, for the mindset. You know, it's uh, you put yourself in a Again, in a uh, (laughs) self-driving, like a self-driving car, you activate the cruise control of your uh, professional life. Mm. And I think that this is killing for innovation because uh, this daily routine uh, is not providing you inspiration for thinking different.
0: So I talk about this a lot as well. And I so so one of the characteristics of the Productivity Ninja uh, is unorthodoxy. And the idea of getting out of your comfort zone, the idea of doing things mm-hmm. differently to how you've always done them. And I look at yes. that in a couple of different ways. One is I think it's really important for organizations to think about how they how they innovate and getting inspiration from different places. I find so many organizations just look to their direct competitors or the people in their marketplace to give them inspiration mm-hmm. and new ideas. And actually new ideas and inspiration should come from a lot of more wide ranging places. But the second part of it for me is that I I believe that so many people start their work days on autopilot. So you start your day doing everything exactly the same. Most people have a, you know, if you picture your desk and close your eyes and think about first thing in the morning, most people can picture very clearly what they would be doing in that moment, because we tend to do it the same way every day. And I did a year where where I, I messed with all of my own Productivity habits, and did a whole bunch of extreme experiments. So I did things like working, uh, flipping the nine to five, so working five to nine a.m. rather than working nine to five, um, and, oh, cool. and various yeah. different things like doing ten minutes of meditation every hour and things like that. But what I find, what I found most interesting about doing those experiments was just the fact that it got me questioning so many other things, and it mm-hmm. was like my mind was just so m- much more able to to sort of innovate and think differently and, and you know, look for different options because I was so challenging of my own base habits and, and kind of removing that autopilot. So is that something that you think with remote working, like having, having different surroundings or like messing with that kind of day-to-day habit, do you think there's a benefit there to how people think differently about the work itself?
1: Spot on, Graham. You're spot on with the question. That's the drive. Um, for me to implement uh, remote work. Uh, you know, you, you can have different reasons uh, to start uh, turning an organization to a remote organization. My reason, my drive, is to promote innovation. Why? Because I uh, met um, about 12 months ago, uh, no, sorry, 18 months ago already, I've made the acquisition of a, of a company uh, which business model, Uh, is very interesting to combine with the business model of the company I I run. And the only way, I believe, to make those two business models become one is to make people think different. And to make them think different, I believe that remote work is one of the main tools to break the routine, to uh, stop the cruise control, as you said, to turn off the cruise control, and to start thinking different. Mm. So remote work promotes innovation. Definitely. I'm convinced I have concrete examples.
0: Yeah. So um, we'd love to hear some of those examples in, in a second as well. Um, so it'd be interesting to hear that. And I just wondered, does that is that something that, you know, obviously in terms of the way people work and their habits of how you set up the day, that that sort of changes things. I'm just also interested to know, does that Does, you know, being um, location independent, say, and kind of moving around and working in in different places, does that break other routines? So do you you feel like you have less uh, frequent recurring meetings and things like that? Do you have less email as a result of that? Like, are there other things that change because people are kind of in that questioning mode?
1: Yeah, uh, of course. Um, First of all, uh, when you implement um, remote work, Uh, One of the first impact is the leadership style that goes with it. And the Mm -hmm. leadership style that is associated to remote work is trust. It's the trust that people are making the right decisions and are moving forward without asking you, if you're a manager, without asking managers uh, every second, uh, without checking with their manager every second if they are heading to the right direction. For sure. Um, So it's a lot of autonomy from the people. So, of course, you get less email. Definitely.
0: Huh. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a really nice way of putting it. And um, in terms of the innovation piece then, so give me, give me some of those con- concrete examples then of um, things that you've noticed as your team have moved more into
1: this, this remote working style. I, just one thing to, to 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 come back on what I said before. The the only type of mail that you might receive are the, I call the oops the oops email oops <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I call it on purpose this way because I ask my people uh, when I'm when I'm remote I ask them to um, I, I say them ask for uh, forgiveness and not for permission. Mm. Mm. It's a basic and uh, it's a common. Um, sentence but i love it uh, because um it is associated to what i call the jomo uh, <laughs> the joy of missing out
0: the joy of missing out
1: because i do uh, feel
0: I, I do feel that's you know you say that's a basic thing but I, it's not something i see uh commonly applied and what i mean by that is i can go into organizations where you can just sense there's there's a level of fear around the idea of 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 writing an oops email and losing face or mm-hmm. feeling feeling vulnerable or like you've messed up and I've also worked with leaders who were very keen on that um you know style of things and make and creating that permission to make mistakes and creating that permission to uh you know to, to try th- to try things out and and, and see how things work mm-hmm. I worked with mm-hmm. one leader who's uh one of her catchphrases which always stuck with me was um uh, I don't mind if you screw up. Well, she she had a slightly less polite way of saying it than that. <laughs> uh, that started with F. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind if you screw up, um, as long as you own up and clear up. And I just exactly. thought that was such a nice yeah. Yeah. Um, sort of philosophy. Because from that, you know, the whole culture allowed people to to experiment and change things and and question ultimately what they were doing.
1: Yeah, I think about um, allowing people to make mistakes some key elements uh, to make it happen the first thing is to provide a safe environment to the people that they they can make mistakes Hmm. Um, that's one the second thing is to give them a level of uh, empowerment that um, limits the impact of the mistakes Uh, meaning that they can't uh, sell the company for example (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so it's about um, the the, the span of control they have the playing field they have uh, the mistakes they can make will um, have a less impact than the freedom they get to move forward. So it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a balance between how much is the uh, productivity improving and how much is the innovation developing when people have the room to go on their own versus the few mistakes they will make and the impact of those mistakes. Well, sure. for me, the, the, the balance is, uh, is, is always positive. There is more innovation, there is more developments, there is more profit than the cost of the mistakes. Mm.
0: And often the problem is that we, we've, we're driven by fear, right? Because, because the mistakes are are things that are visible. Whereas yeah. the thing, the, the things that are uh, happening and the innovations that are happening, um, are always kind of viewed positively but you're almost like you, you don't notice that time of experimentation you just notice the results at the end whereas the mistakes are, are pinned on you rather
1: than necessarily
0: a more kind of collective
1: yeah um, thing, agree right? agree i know you know i um i have a li- I have a metaphor i love i have i have a son he's uh, 18 now but when he was uh, like 14 we were skiing together and uh, at 14 it was the age when he started to ski better than i <laughs> that was quite uh, <laughs> a difficult one to swallow <laughs> uh, and one day at the end of the day he said you know that this day I didn't fall I, I, the whole day I didn't uh, eat the snow uh, well well, are you proud of it? yes I'm proud I said well you didn't learn today so, uh, and I pushed mm-hmm. him and he fell and I'm, now you've been learning <laughs> nice So try and make
0: sure you are eating the snow a a few times a month, at least. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) If you
1: learn to ski uh, and you have to reach the limits, and uh, sometimes you fall and it's how you learn. Like like uh, windsurfing, you don't learn how to windsurf without falling in the water. It's the same.
0: Absolutely. So tell us more about some of the innovations then. What, what have you seen that, is, um, that has gone differently? What, what's gone well as a result of remote working, do you think?
1: Yeah, okay. So some of the innovations of remote work is uh, the, the first one that is quite obvious is that when you work remote, um, again, I have, I have the, the four steps of uh, remote work that I, I will uh, share with you later on. But one of the steps, I believe, is to work from co-working space. So I insist mm-hmm to my teams, don't work from home, go to a co-working space. Um, Working from a co-working space will put you in a different ecosystem, will put you in a different community. And in this community, you will learn a lot. And those things you will learn, you bring them back to the office or to to the organization. So I'm talking about uh, meeting people. I'm talking about seeing new tools. I'm talking about seeing new ways of uh, organizing yourself, uh, about productivity. So all the great experience you can have in a co-working space that um, will be in fact like um, you know when when, they are, when you're a kid you put your, a young kid you put him at the creche at the, at the, 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 the kids uh, garden mm-hmm. uh, so his immune system will grow because he will, he will be in the middle of a different of plenty of different immune systems so not staying yeah. within the family go and meet other kids so, so your immune system grows well, it's the same. If you go at the office, you stay with your family, so to say. And if you go in a co-working space, then you will meet a lot of p- different people who work differently, who think differently. And this is where it starts about innovations. Hmm. Interesting. That's, um, that's one of them. Um, the second uh, I can mention is uh, the fact that um, people, by working remote, uh, will uh, have um more time to have um for example the, commu- the only the commuting time uh, if you commute uh, one hour a day or let's say two hours back and forth that's 40 hours a, a month of commuting yeah. yeah so it's a week so you get an extra working week per month if you stop commuting at all um this commuting time i see that people are using it to do other activities um, like uh, being involved in local organizations or local associations, uh, and by doing so, uh, you will be connected to other type of organizations, and then you will create um, distance from your own organization because you will see that everything that you experience in your organization is the same elsewhere. So. You uh, are not all the day in your organization. You connect to other organizations and to other challenges, but at the end, which are the same challenges. So it's always good to see other organizations and to see that those organizations are facing challenges that are the same as yours. So, so it makes your challenges less uh, important and, less, and so, uh, less, less big, so to say.
0: Yeah. And are you, are you that explicit with people? So do you say, okay, so if we can come to a new style of working that reduces your commute time, then you can put those hours back into like a community organization or something else. Do you have that conversation explicitly or does it just happen really naturally
1: kind of almost by accident along the way? Well, let me say different. I'm asking those people by remote work, you will create free time. You you, you increase your freedom. Mm. Tell me what you're going to do with this freedom. Wow, okay, and most of the time i uh insist that uh, people dedicate part of this freedom to have impact mm. and not to uh, go uh, to wake up later because they went to the nightclub longer than the night before <laughs> <laughs> that's uh no you, you, you know i i I believe that uh, giving freedom to people um, people most of the time don't know what to do of this freedom. Mm. because we especially when you start in remote work uh yeah you, you have freedom okay well that uh, can be frightening uh woo i have freedom <laughs> yes and uh, next what's what i'm going to do with this freedom you need to yeah. help those people to, to to address this freedom
0: yeah and i don't know if this is like a separate um sort of topic of discussion or you know it kind of feels like we could um talk about this issue you know all day but like do you think there's a, a real difference in terms of sort of cultures and age groups in terms of how people think about that freedom like i, I think about some of our employees that think productive um you know particularly who are a bit younger and they love the idea that they can remote work and in fact one of them uh, is in new york right now uh-huh. on holiday and then will next week be doing some work um for us but just you know staying in new york while she does that so yeah um, th- do, you, do you feel like there's a kind of uh if you've been entrenched in the in the kind of standard 9 to 5 way of doing things for 20 years is it more difficult for people to shift of course and you know what what do you notice around around making those shifts
1: yeah of course if you if you if you take a chi- if you take a chicken out of a chicken farm and you put it in a field uh, it will be lost <laughs> <laughs> because it's used to uh, to the pattern to the routine of the chicken farm mm. Yeah. it's uh, this great movie called Chicken Run um, mm. it's about uh, chickens who try to escape from a chicken farm and then they're like yeah wh- what are we going to do with our freedom <laughs> we don't know so um, that's um, that's it the, the, the comparison with the uh, chicken will stop here <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: and, so, and yeah. you also mentioned before an idea um, the four steps of remote work do you want to yeah. just tell us about that
1: yeah This is a a concept that I've applied to my organization. If if you uh, think of an organization that is used to the nine-to-five way of working uh, every day at the same location and you want to bring those people to remote work, I believe there are some steps uh, to go through in order to make it um, gradual and not uh, too much disruptive. Uh, First of all, the first step is to create uh, a remote environment that is... um, uh, open to everyone because some people want to be fully remote and some people want, n- don't want to be remote. So you need to offer the, uh, still a solution for people who want to come to the office every day. There still needs to be a solution. Uh, so this solution is um, what I've uh, put in place is a complete uh, flex desk uh, uh, working space. And in fact, I've moved my offices, two offices in Holland. I've moved uh, them to co-working space Uh, with a a private uh, area. So it's a hybrid co-working space where in a co-working space, we have our own square meters. That helps people to see how a co-working space works. And that helps people also within within the office to be remote within the office. Mm. So basically, you can work from one desk or from any of the desks uh, any day. So when you arrive in the morning, you choose where you work from. It sounds very basic. But when you come from an organization where people are used to sit at the same place with the picture of the family and the picture of holidays on the desk, this is already a big step. Uh, yeah, this- because
0: I've I've worked yeah. in places that have introduced hot desking and, yeah. you know, I'm going in and doing workshops and I'm talking to people about what affects productivity. And a lot of people will say, one thing that really annoys me and, and affects my productivity is the, you know, the, the sort of uh, hot desking philosophy, because... you know, part of that is they feel like every day they've got to get all their things out of the cupboard and set it up at a new desk and find a desk and all that. And they kind of feel like that takes time. Mm -hmm. And also part of it, I think is just a, just a natural human desire for territory too, right? So having the photos and having the having the, you know, they open the drawer and you've got your favorite snacks in there and all that sort of yeah, thing. So yeah, what,
1: yeah.
0: What, what resistance do you come up against around that? And, and um, what what do you tell those people?
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, just to think, I will answer your question, but the main purpose of uh, going to a hot desking, as you call it, is to bring people to be fully digital. Yeah. So they don't yeah. have, they, they can work from their computer and their phone from anywhere. That's, that's the idea. Okay. Because okay. that's to prepare people for the next step of remote work. Um, now the the resistance are the the one you mentioned. Um, one of the thing I did to kill those resistance, uh, to, to to help to to, to to remove those resistance, is to apply it also to the managers. So nobody has a has an office. Nobody, even the ma- mm-hmm. myself. Right. No, I have no, I don't have an office in I don't have a room in my office, and uh, it's the case for all the managers. So everybody is working from the the, the open space, and. When I got the resistance that you, that you mentioned, uh, my answer to that is to say, if you come to the office to find a desk and to work uh, on your emails, well, you don't have to be at the office. So if your resistance is to say, I lose some time commuting, coming to the office, finding a desk, uh, concentration issues because a lot of noise, and then in the evening I have to unwind everything, If you came to the office only to do your emails and not to collaborate with your colleagues, then you you should not be here.
0: Mm, Right. You should
1: not be here. So the office space has to become a place for collaboration only. You go to the office when you need to collaborate with your colleagues, when you need to work in teams. Yeah. Uh, And that's it. And maybe, okay, you have to do a few emails afterwards, one hour before or after, but that's it. So it's not a place to stay working on your own for the full day. Cool. So that's step one. What's step step one? Step two is to be remote by working from your customers and your partners. So instead of working from the office, uh, when you uh, visit some suppliers, visit some customers, ask them to dedicate a place for you to work from there the rest of the day. Mm. It's quite easy way to start to be remote because you stay in your ecosystem. So it's not that uh, challenging. Uh, you stay close to your company, to your ecosystem, and for the managers, it's quite easy to accept. It's even an added value. Look, I'm visiting a customer. Yeah. By the way, I will not come to the office today. I will stay the whole day at this customer to get to understand this customer better. What, what if I'm a manager and I hear that from my colleagues or from my uh, people? I would say, well, go, go, go. It's nice. It's a great Absolutely. idea.
0: And you know, people talk a lot about chats over the water cooler. Do you have that same expression in Holland? So it's yeah, I, mean, it's I know like, what you mean. It's, yeah. The idea of those incidental conversations that come up. And I guess the chats over the water cooler that you can have with your customers when you're in their building, just in terms of building that level of, of relationship as well as the understanding of what they do. I mean, that must be really powerful.
1: It's a win-win-win situation for the customer, mm. for the employee, and for the for the for the employer. Yeah. So I love this step because it's quite easy. Once you've done step one, you can easily go to step two. Yeah. Um, nice. And then step three is uh, to work uh, from a co-working space. So find a nice co-working space uh, next to your home and uh, go there to work from there. And then you get all the advantages I've explained before, being part of the community seeing all the tools, other people, extra what we, we, what we talked about uh, five minutes ago. Yeah. Um, And this is on purpose. I talk about co-working space and I don't want to have people working from home. I, I'm against home office uh, because I uh, believe that uh, home is the place where for a lot of people, especially when you start to be remote, that's a place where it's difficult to work from. Yeah. Especially when you start being remote or even if you live in a big city, uh, (laughs) there's not enough square meters to, (laughs) to work from home. Mm,
0: Yeah. Um, So I do work from home a lot. um, Yeah. I, I have a, I've, For years, I used to work from home just a little bit uh, in the spare bedroom. I actually started Think Productive in a spare bedroom. Mm -hmm. But uh, when I lived in Brighton, my first place in Brighton that that we were renting, I used to look out the window and my next door neighbour had this beautiful... Uh, like home office, uh, you know, like dedicated home office building that was kind of at the bottom of the garden. Yeah, And I used to look out the window at this thing and just think, man, that's the dream, that's what I want. And um, when I moved to the new place, one of the requirements was I've got to have a garden big enough to do that. So I now have a little uh, shed. Um, I call it the shed, but it's a very um, mm-hmm. uh, purpose-built office space with its own separate Wi-Fi and all the rest of it. And okay. even just that psychological... You know, walk down the bottom of the garden. It's it's a very quick commute for me, yeah. um, but it does does provide that separation. And I do think that's important because I, I feel like I definitely work much better from the bottom of the garden away from the house as when I was yeah. when I was in the home. Even though, of course, I, I still have access to my house all day and and a lot of those same distractions. But I just find myself getting less and less distracted because I'm further away.
1: Yeah, no, well, I, I get, I, I can, uh, I can agree with that. Uh, so it's that's not everybody lot, right? that can afford
0: a, <laughs> I can, work not everybody that, can afford that.
1: And um, I believe on the value of co-working space because you, you will be meeting other people. And most of the time, co-working spaces are full of uh, auto-entrepreneurs, uh, mm. self-workers, uh, startups. So it's also a different mindset. It's a different DNA. Most of the time, those people in co-working space are very efficient, high level of productivity, and it's inspiring to work in the middle of them. Yeah. The last, um, the fourth step so, once you are mobile in your own office and then you have been working from your suppliers and customers and then you work from a co working space, the next one is uh, to work from uh, anywhere in the world and to combine your uh, holiday traveling with uh, work. And you just mentioned uh, one of your colleagues was in New York now and was going to stay one week extra in New York to work from New York. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. On holiday somewhere, you stay one week more and you work from there. Guess what? If you're not on the same time zone, it's even very interesting for the company because you will be producing at night at night. And when the team are back in the morning, you have provided them the work that they can go on working on. So it's even very interesting when you change time zones.
0: So so there is that benefit internally of if if you're zigging while everybody else is zagging, then like you say, you get that kind of interplay between, you know, this is, you get that t- sort of sense of perspective, you can then throw stuff back to them while they're working. What do you do if that's a client facing role though? So if you've got someone whose job it is to answer the phones or answer the emails to clients between the office hours of let's say nine and five, and then they're working in New York, do you have them, you know, getting up late and, and working late or... Do, do you just do you just compensate for that in other ways?
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's 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 a key question, of course. When you have to respect uh, uh, time, uh, what you see is that, um, of course, uh, working uh, answering customer calls is something that you don't do uh, eight hours a day. So there is part of uh, creating reports, there is part of creating offers, extra. Mm. So you can always uh, find. Um, a time zone where you have uh, let's say for example four hours of common uh, working uh, time and then the rest of the time you will do your admin work while the other countries uh, shut down uh, yeah. that's why it limits it limits the traveling to about six hours time difference to the max uh, okay yeah on east or west but uh, then if you go further um, that's that's becoming more challenging if you need to be a uh, facing customer
0: so the rule of thumb is is more than six hours. Six hours on a plane is probably out of range. Too much is that, yeah. 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 Cool. So that's, for
1: that's, example, that's the, the, the the US West Coast, mm. it's too far. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if you go to Asia, you would limit yourself to Thailand. But further, yeah. it's uh, yeah. yeah. Australia, for example, it's a no-go area. Uh,
0: yeah, I remember when I've done tours of Australia, like promoting books and stuff. Yeah. Even just the hours that you're not working, but but someone at home might be awake. It's like an hour a day, a window that you, that you have. It's yeah. like, it's so limited. So
1: exactly, I can yeah. see that's a yeah. problem. Yeah.
0: So I think you're going to have loads of people um, reaching out to you after this saying, can I come and work for you? Because this sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and do you sense that, are you, do you, do you feel like, um, let's say in Holland or maybe, maybe a- across Europe, generally the, the kind of partner organizations that you have um, other organizations within your industry do you feel like you're um very much at the sort of forefront of pioneering this or is this something that a lot of companies are now doing like wh- where does this where does this kind of leadership style fit within you know the wider framework of other organizations that you see
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i have the chance to live uh, in the north of europe and north of europe uh, and i put in north of europe i put the the scandics so um from Norway to uh, to Finland and uh, also Holland, um, those countries are um, the culture of those countries is very much uh, on the we versus the me, so it's mm. very much um, as as a group you, you you focus on the group the group first yeah and I think it's due to the weather uh, if you look at uh, history uh, when you are facing uh, hard weather conditions. You need your neighbors, you need your family. you can't do it alone
0: you've got to all huddle in together to keep warm, right
1: <laughs> yeah exactly and um so this sense of community makes that the trust the level of trust between people is very high. Mm. I see it for example because i've used I was used to work in France and, and i when I moved to Holland. I see that the relation between customer and supplier is very much based on trust, much more than in the south of Europe. Mm. And this trust-based uh, community uh, helps to promote remote work. Because if you trust uh, your suppliers, you can also trust your employees, by the way. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Think about it. Most of the time, we trust more our suppliers than our employees. Huh. Uh, you can trust your employees and then if, if there's trust, then uh, that's, the, that's the, the opening for remote work.
0: Mm, absolutely.
1: So I believe that the north of Europe is uh, setting the trend in this matter uh, when it comes to the trust. And of course, I'm not familiar enough to the US, so I can't, I can't talk for uh, about, about Americas. Uh, but when it comes to Europe, I believe that the the northern part of Europe is setting a trend there
0: yeah you know my sense is i think uh, in the uk we sit somewhere between uh the sort of north europe culture and the american culture my sense is even in the uk it's it's a lot more individualistic than than group dynamic and Mm -hmm. and probably less trusting and i my sense is the us is probably even further in that direction but Mm. um yeah really interesting um let's let's kind of shift gears a little bit so in terms of um what we're trying to do on beyond busy uh what's also interesting is just to kind of get a sense of um how you define happiness and success in your work and things um that you find find particularly helpful around productivity too so let's just talk about the happiness and success bit first and i know you've talked a lot about um you're very sort of driven by experiences over status and i've heard you talk yes. about that before so um let, let's start slightly more broadly so what's what's your kind of definition of of um a happy experience and kind of using experiences to to bring happiness
1: mm-hmm. um what i believe uh, about experiences is uh, I, I like this question when was the last time you did something for the first time mm. <laughs> and uh experiences is about uh, trying things that you um that are out of your comfort zone And uh, being out of your comfort zone by trying things for the first time is something we do a lot when we are kids. But when we grow up, we tend to uh, stay in the comfort zone because uh, we fear um, that we will fail in uh, trying something new and that we will be ridiculous and that other people will laugh at you. So uh, you lose your sense of vulnerability with age. Mm -hmm. And I believe that uh, this vulnerability has to come back on the work floor and uh, has to uh, be... uh, cherish as a as a core value
0: nice so you know my next question obviously is going to be when was the last time that you did something for the first time (laughs) Uh,
1: the last time I did something for the first time was uh, let me think in details Um, I did uh, started the tango uh, learning dancing tango for example uh, two months ago nice and the first time on the tango dance floor was quite something I can tell you (laughs) uh that's that's one i uh also um um well i'm gonna do something for the first time soon i like sailing but i've never been sailing alone so i've uh, rented a sailboat and i'm gonna i'm gonna go to Ugram. i'm gonna cross the channel oh, on cool. my own on a sailboat oh nice yeah in, uh, in two weeks from now so this is something i'm gonna do for the first time sailing on my own uh, across the channel
0: from uh, holland to uk cool where will you arrive in the uk do you know
1: uh, in um, oh, uh, next to the the Thames, um, oh, I can't recall the name of this harbour. It will come back.
0: Okay, cool. Probably a little bit, a little bit uh, too far for me to come and toast you with a beer at the end. Then yeah.
1: <laughs> <bit>. <laughs> would love it. Would love it. Um, Ramsgate. 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 Okay, cool. Yeah, so anyone yeah, in Ramsgate,
0: Ramsgate. Uh, yeah, get in touch with the ad. Uh,
1: Please bring, bring the beer. Be on, be on the pier uh, to welcome me. <laughs>
0: Um, and so are you someone who uh, ascribes to this idea and mine, I think, by the way, was, um, I just took my little boy camping last weekend. We've been mm-hmm. camping for festivals before, but never just to be camping and build fires and all that sort of stuff. So we did that this weekend, which was, um, okay. which wow, to, cool. on the one hand, a really beautiful experience. And on the, on the other hand, I, I'd forgotten how much the outdoors just tires kids out. And so by the Sunday, he was absolutely run ragged. Uh, it wasn't much fun, <laughs> but the rest of it was fun. Really <laughs> Um, so are you someone who, like, would you definitely sort of, in terms of how you spend your time and money, would you prioritize experiences over possessions and status and that kind of thing?
1: Oh, uh, possessions is, um, is only burden. Mm. I don't believe in possessions. The only thing I believe is good speakers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's we're, about we're the experience aligned, then. i
0: have to say yeah i don't yeah. even have a car no. right so i'm I, yeah. I, have, I have a little vespa to get around but I've de- i deliberately don't want the hassle of owning a car yeah. um, yeah. i hi- hire one if i need one
1: yeah well i believe that uh, investing in positions uh, and i did it in the past i had uh, quite some positions and i've decided to downsize my life oh, wow. years ago to get rid of all those positions uh well basically you have to buy them you have to install them you have to maintain them you have to renew them because they get old and at the end you realize you never use them yeah so (laughs) i give you an example about say have you gone full marie kondo sorry what do you what do you mean
0: uh so do you know marie kondo she's like the the decluttering expert person on netflix and she has a a book called the life-changing magic of tidying up do you know her stuff?
1: Oh, that's, uh, breaking news. No, I've never heard about ah, cool. her. Cool.
0: All right. I'll send you a link afterwards. So she's really big on, it's kind of a very similar type of philosophy to minimalism, but with some very, uh-huh. uh, interesting questions, uh, that she sort of asks people. Um, so are you quite minimalist in, like if I walked in your house, is it kind of very, very sparse in terms of possessions and very minimal?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right. But, but it it comes for everything. Um, I was talking about sailing, um, I uh, did a quick calculation, um, which is the following. If you, if you rent a sailboat, um, you can have about, I'm talking about sailboat, about 38 foot, which is quite a nice boat already. Mm. Uh, you can have uh, five weeks of rental for the fixed fees of having your own boat. <laughs> so that's as simple as this. And the average usage of a sailboat is two weeks a year. So yeah, yeah, you understand the the idea behind. There's a
0: brilliant <laughs> article. I'll dig it out. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, there's a guy called Mister Money Mustache. I don't know if you've come across him. Um, yeah. Never heard about. It. So Mister Money Mustache is a guy who um, talks a lot about um, early retirement and you know, mm-hmm. some, like extreme saving or having a business, getting to the place where you reach financial freedom at a young age, and you know that mm-hmm. you never have to work again. And he still does. Some work, but his point is that 's now a choice, and I, I know that i 'm at that point where i don 't yeah, need mm-hmm. to but he wrote this really great article about um, swimming pools, and basically what it was saying <laughs> is if you if you really start to cost uh, the amount of money that you spend uh, putting a swimming pool in your back garden and then maintaining it and buying the covers for it and having somebody to come out <laughs> and clean it and all this he he worked out from his neighbor who had a swimming pool. Uh, that it was costing, I think it was something like $150 per swim or something. <laughs> like, and he was like, hey, just go around the corner. It's like four bucks, you know. Uh, but just I think I, I think about that a lot, um, not because I've ever wanted to have a swimming pool in my garden, but just with any possession, you know, thinking about that sort of utility um, value, you know, versus being able to rent that same thing or just going without it or whatever. And, you know, so many of those things you're really buying – the idea of the thing rather than the thing, you know? So, um, Mm -hmm. I have some Mm -hmm. friends who have a, they have like a camper van and they're always trying to persuade me to buy a camper van. And I'm always (laughs) saying, well, how many times have you used yours in the last year? And they always say like twice or something. (laughs) And actually you work out that that each weekend costs them like 3000 pounds or something. It's like, I could have quite a nice hotel for the weekend for
1: that. (laughs) Yeah. That's uh, (laughs) i I'm convinced of that. And you know, um, what 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 is um, what we are talking about in fact it's headspace mm. so if you don't have to manage positions but just only use positions that are shared positions yeah. uh, then you create a lot of headspace um, that you can use for uh, meditation uh, helping other people working in an association um well you know the 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 all the all the um, the time you will save, it's not only time, it's also headspace. Yeah, totally agree. The the, the stress of having to maintain the swimming pool. Huh? It's a Saturday morning and mm. you say, oh, I have a swimming pool. It's going to be nice weather today. But the swimming pool is dirty. So the first hour of the Saturday, it's going to be about cleaning the swimming pool. And then it rains and you don't use it. <laughs>
0: totally agree. I'm totally with you there. Um, let's talk productivity then. So obviously remote working plays a huge part in this and a huge part in, in innovation. One thing just on remote working and productivity that I wanted to ask is do you think there's a difference between uh the people who you you lead and manage who are introverts versus extroverts? Because I I know that for myself, you know, I definitely class myself as introverted. And when I'm when I'm in co-working spaces, I quite enjoy being in them for for twenty minutes or half an hour, but I feel like when I get my if I if I was to picture where I'm gonna get my my, my sort of most important work done that kind of, you know, the Cal Newport deep work type of thing. Um, you know, the times where I'm really going to sit down and focus, I feel like I have to be on my own to do that. And so do you think that's, mm. do you think that's a difference between introverts and extroverts there in terms of your philosophies around remote working? And, um, what are, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I, um, I, 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 share the same point of view concerning myself. So when I really need to produce and to focus, I need to isolate myself. Mm. Um, but I know also that I'm good at it for like two hours and then after two hours, I need I need some people around me and I need yeah. to, you know, to be back to the extrovert. Um, well, in, again, in co-working spaces, you have rooms where you can isolate yourself. Uh, I have a, a wonderful uh, headset also with noise reduction. Uh, that is a good way to isolate myself when I need to focus. Um, so I think it's about... Um, The the mindset in which you put yourself, it's not that much about the environment. If you can shut down uh, the noise around you, uh, that's already a big step forward. So, yeah, yeah, I I think that um, this uh, production work, uh, if it really needs a lot of attention and focus, then maybe it can be done from home. Then it can be done from home because then there's no need of interaction with the people around you. So then, if you have space to do it from home, you can do it. Or, of course, you can come at the office and uh, and uh, book a room at the office to have uh, this uh, this uh, safety to be sure you will not be disturbed. Yeah, because being disturbed when you're focused is uh, you you quickly lose 15 to 20 minutes to be back in the flow. That's that's huge. For sure. So, so it's important to not to be disturbed.
0: So is that something that do you think about that with your own to do list? Like, do, like as in, do you think about these are the times that I need to be in a more collaborative mode. These are the times where I need to be much more energy focused. Do you structure how you, how you spend your, your days like thinking about that kind of stuff and creating those, almost like those boxes to then to put things in?
1: I have a, it's it's a nice question you ask. I have a a color code in my agenda. Okay. And uh, the color codes of the, uh, the, the meetings I have in my agenda are related to the brain power that is needed.
0: Oh, that's really interesting.
1: Tell us more. So I have a green, uh, orange, and red. Of course, red requires a lot of brain power. Mm. And so my people around me, because I have a shared agenda, they know that if it's a red meeting, um, that uh, after this meeting, they should be not asking too much to me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because I will be fried. Um, And those meetings are also meetings with myself. So I'm just blocking uh, slots in my agenda. Okay. Uh, and in my to-do list, I, I, I very basically uh, sh- split my to-do list in four. You know, you have urgent and non-important, uh, urgent and important, uh, important and non-urgent, and non-important and non-urgent. Yeah. That's category. I, that's the things I will never do. Um, <laughs> and the uh, important, not urgent. Those are the categories where I book meetings for. Okay. So it's important, but I need I have time to make them happen. So it's, for example, uh, thinking about uh, you know uh, getting an analysis of uh, my competitors, uh, doing a desk research on the websites of my competitor. This is something I will do. Uh, I have a I have a month to do it, and I will book myself, for example, three times one hour mm-hmm. in the coming months. Um, at the moments where I know I cannot be disturbed, and this will be a red uh, meeting because the brand power is high. Yeah.
0: Have you have you started to notice other people in the company using that same system because what I love about that is that other people can can really get an insight into how you're managing you so yeah. are you starting to see that rub off on others as well
1: i have two other people who have applied it uh and uh, my, I have also I use an assistant and she has access to that also. Yeah. So I'm also asking her, I don't want more than two uh, red meetings per day. Okay. So that <laughs> becomes your uh, sort of personal to policy high.
0: around the limits there. Of, yeah. Okay. That's, that's as much as I can really do in terms of that focused red meeting time. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Uh, everybody thinks you're uh, you're Superman, but uh, guys, I've been working hard the last uh, three hours. Don't ask me too much yeah. now. Yeah. I'm fried.
0: <laughs> cool. That's I love that because I think a lot of the work that I do when we go into companies and start talking to them about, you know, we have this whole thing about manage attention don't manage time and yeah. managing attention yeah. is harder and it's a more precious resource because we don't have not every hour can be a, a red hour in 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 sort of your uh, terminology no. there. And so no. often where I find organizations really start to grasp this stuff and make it happen is where they start to make that like a shared uh, almost like a shared language across the the whole team, right? So yeah. everybody starts to talk yeah. about it in the same way. And so I have a thing in my book, um, the terminology is called proactive attention. So where you really oh, need yeah, to, to be, you know, yeah. in that kind of very deep thinking mode. Um, and I and I say, look, schedule that as two to three hours a day, no more. And mm-hmm. when people start having this whole, and, and the, the other um, end of the scale, often people create mindless lists, right? So it's like, this is the stuff I can do when my brain is half dead, but I can still order the stuff on Amazon or do the really basic stuff and just yeah, kind of set this stuff like, with um, those kind of three categorizations of like, here's the normal stuff. Here's the proactive yeah. attention stuff. And then here's the, the mindless list. Um, yeah. I, I really start to see a benefit when other people start adopting that. So I kind of feel like that's a really, um, sort of interesting challenge of, of leadership, isn't it? It's like finding the systems that are going to work best, particularly when you're remote as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, what you mentioned at the end is what I call urgent uh, and non-important. Those are the things that don't require a lot of brain power, but still yeah, need to be done. Yeah. Uh, and then it's a pleasure to do them once you have been productive and um, mm. you have done your. Um, uh, let me let me give you another example. This list, this list of uh, to do's, I actual I make it. Um, I go for it like every day. I make it. I update it every day. And um, that's the first thing I do uh, in the morning. So a lot of people, I see the first thing they do, they go to their emails yeah. and they are being drawn by their email. So the, the email flow is making their agenda, yeah. is making their priority. I don't go there. I go to my to-do list and once I've done my priorities, then I will open my emails to see if I have uh, some fuel for the next uh, actions.
0: I often say that an e- uh, an email list is a list of everybody else's priorities, not yours, right? So if you start today exactly. with your own thinking and mindfulness and uh, you know, really the focus is on you and what you need to achieve. Um, exactly. It's always a much better place
1: to start. Yeah. And talking about that, I'd like to give a tip that is a uh, key for me. Um, I see people around me whose drive is to kill the to-do list. So, you know, they have a huge to-do list and say, oh, I have such yeah. a to-do list. I have yeah. to, I have to, 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 to clean my to-do list." But then there's new as new tasks coming on top, so I don't have. It's always blah, blah. when you see that around you, this is a sign of an upcoming burnout. And it's a tip I'd like to share in this podcast. I have. of the case, I was right. When someone is coming to you and telling you, I can't manage my to-do list, my to-do list is too long, I'm sorry, I don't have time, this person is heading to a burnout. Mm, Right, okay. There's no no helicopter view, there's no high purpose anymore. It's only about killing tasks. This is not how you make a human being happy.
0: I see, right, okay.
1: That's to me a a big signal. And then uh, it could be another podcast, but... um, I have a a friend at the moment who's writing a book uh, called um, how to light your fire without burning out. Mm. Uh, That's a great (laughs) title. title. Yeah. Coming soon. Coming soon. Nice.
0: Yeah. Where I thought you were going to go with that was um, the whole sort of uh, notion of work never ending. Right. So I think, I think we're taught, we're kind of hardwired from school that it's, it's all about ticking everything off the list and getting it all done and perfection and all that stuff. And, you know, actually, mm-hmm. a really good productive working day might mean that at the end of the day, there's more things on your to do list than there was when you started. But yeah. actually, that's yeah. because this, the nature of work is that it? it is ongoing and there will always be more stuff to do, apart from probably the last day that you have in any job, right, where you finish things off and then you leave and you have a actually yeah. no to do list until you start the new one.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah.
0: Cool. Um, well, it's been amazing chatting, and uh, I, I feel like uh, we could we could talk a lot more. Uh, maybe have to get you back on, and I, I think you probably will get some uh, some LinkedIn requests saying, "Can I come and work for you?" Because this sounds amazing. <laughs> um, and so, <laughs> With
1: pleasure. We have positions open about twenty <laughs> positions at the moment. So, <laughs> um,
0: so let's just uh, finish by um, just telling everybody how they can get hold of you, and anything else you'd like to share, if you've got. Uh, perhaps like things online that people can go and uh, find out more about.
1: Thank you for this uh, opportunity, Graham. So my, the way to connect with me via, is via LinkedIn. You will easily find me on LinkedIn, Jan Toutant, T-O-U-T-A-N-T. And Jan is uh, N. Uh, I used to uh, post a lot on the, on the topics we have discussed. So the, the journey can go on online. Uh, feel free to engage. Cool. And uh, anytime you visit Holland, you um, you will be welcome to work remote from my uh, offices, if you want.
0: Thank you. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm due a visit. I haven't been over to Holland uh, this year, in fact. So, um, yeah, I'm okay. sure I'll be there very soon.
1: I'll give you a shout. Yes. Great. Cool. Thank well, you so much for this platform. It's always a pleasure to um, share this vision, which is, uh, I believe, a trend, still a trend. Uh, but in 10 years, we will... Uh, we will see it as a as a given. I'm I'm convinced of that.
0: That's the thing, isn't it? I think um, with a lot of these conversations, as as um, as time goes on, the surprises become the norms, right? And I think it'll yeah. it'll definitely go that way.
1: Um, well, it's like this movie, you know, Back from the Future. Yeah. When, uh, <laughs> something. When like we we'll listen to this podcast in 20 years from now, we will uh, it will be like looking at Back to the Future today.
0: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so, real pleasure, and uh, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll we'll speak again, uh, Jan. Thanks for being on Beyond Busy.
1: My pleasure, Graham. Thank you so much for uh, offering uh, me and your audience uh, this great platform. Thank you.
0: So thanks again to Jan for being on the show. Thanks also to Deborah Mendez. Quick shout out to Deborah for helping to set up that episode. Thanks also to Mark Steadman, my producer on the show and Podiant for being our hosting platform. And also uh, thanks to Think Productive for being our sponsors of the show. So if you're interested in getting productivity, training, workshops, coaching into your organisation, just go to thinkproductive.com. You can find out more there. And a reminder that my masterclass has some tickets still available. It's Friday the 28th of June. It's in London and you can find that on Eventbrite and at getbeyondbusy.com. We'll put links to everything that you've heard talked about in the show notes over at getbeyondbusy.com as well. And you can find links there to previous episodes. We've got some really good ones coming up in the next few weeks. I'll be back in two weeks time. So until then, take care. Bye for now.